The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What is up? It is your boy, Johnny Mags, back at you once again for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am joined, as always, with... Dan Garcia. And we are, we're here again at Halo Haven, actual, our studio. Chris Security Johnson's in the house. He's diligently working right now, getting the, uh, trying to get the video side of this going. But anyway, we're here again. Uh, we do have an interview with somebody else. Uh, our interviews have been kind of going, uh, like, rapid, one after another, yeah, right? Yeah, we've been kind of lucky that... The last couple of weeks, we've uh, been able to at least get some kind of interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say we're gonna, it's going to be a weekly staple just because it's, it's kind of hard to get, start getting these guys and yeah. try to get uh, schedules matched up. But, I mean, as much as we can, we're going to get interviews. But uh, I wouldn't say it's going to be a weekly thing, but as much as we can, definitely. Uh, we have uh, something lined up, an interview lined up for tomorrow. I won't say who it is or if it's. It's it's scheduled for tomorrow, and if it happens, then it will air it uh, next week's podcast. And it is a former Angels player, so hopefully uh, that can happen tomorrow, and uh, we'll see we'll see from there. But it'll definitely air next week if we do get it done. So let's let's jump into the podcast. Um, last week we recorded on Thursday as as we usually try to do every week, and the Angels had a game that day, and they were wrapping up the series against the Rays. Unfortunately for the Angels, they lost that game 4-2. to two. Andrew Heaney going six innings, giving up six hits, four earned runs, no walks, five strikeouts. Uh, no offense in this game for the Angels. Two, uh, two runs on three hits. No yeah. trout, though. That's a big Yeah, story. and that's the thing about this whole um, – the week that we're going to talk about coming up, this whole week has been uh, troutless. So, I mean, coming in, knowing that he jammed his th- uh, thumb sliding – um, or wrist sliding, sorry, and knowing that he was going to miss some time. At first it was his day-to-day, then later on during the week he ended up getting a quarter zone shot. Um, now they're targeting tomorrow, Friday, um, when they open a series up against the A's for him to return, but still yet um, whether or not he's going to do it for sure or not. Yeah, so the Angels dropped the last game of the series, ended up getting swept by Tampa Bay. That's something you didn't want coming right out of the All-Star break, getting swept like that, especially against a team that – we're kind of battling with uh, in the wild, quote unquote, battling with in the wild card race. That's the third team that we have to leap over, along with Seattle and Oakland. If the Angels think that they have a chance to try to get into that second wild card spot, but dropping all three games to them definitely didn't help. The Angels started a series the very next day in Cleveland against the uh, Indians. The Angels won this game seven to four behind Jaime Barrios, five innings. He gave up six hits, three runs, two walks, three strikeouts. This was what I call the Otani show, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, his first home run, two home runs on the road on the same day. Um, it, I was kind of surprised to read that those were his first home runs on the road. I could have swore he did, but yeah, until that point, he's been exclusively uh, home runs at Angel Stadium. So it's good to see him pick up the slack for where uh, Trout was uh, not in the lineup. Yeah, the impressive part about this was it was his first home run on the road in in, in his major league career. It was in the first inning. His next at-bat was his second home run on the road. And then making it his first multi-home run game as a major leaguer, he went four for five in this game. The Angels' offense, that's all they really needed uh, in this game. Uh, Berea pitched five as the bullpen came in and only allowed one run after the five innings pitch. Yeah, I mean, they had a big eighth inning with the four runs that kind of uh... – uh, put the nail in the coffin, I guess, if you will. But, um, you know, uh, good performance by the Angels offense, something they needed against a good team in Cleveland, not against someone like uh, some of the lower-level teams, I guess. You know, the teams that are struggling, Cleveland is a playoff team. So whenever you can can do that against a good team, you, you'll take it. Yeah, for sure. So the Angels, you know, started off the series good, seven runs in the first game. The next game, 
the Angels get shut out. Um, you know, they, they three nothing. Uh, the the Pena went five and a third, which is better than he had been in the last few starts. He gave up three hits, two runs, three walks, struck out one. And, uh, for me, I look at this as the Angels' offense just did not score. But the bright side to this was again, to me, was a bullpen. They came in and allowed no runs after the five and one thirds by Pena. Yeah, I mean that's that's the big thing with the with the with the Angels is getting contributions not just from the starters but also from the bullpen for a complete game. And you know the Angels just kind of ran into a buzzsaw and you know just going you know you know against Kluber, um, a guy that's always in the Cy Young kind of category or up for the award every year. He goes he gives up seven hits over nine innings and does throws a complete game shutout. So. Um, yeah, you would like to some, see some kind of thing, some kind of run support because they are they did hold them to only three runs. Um, but when you go against a guy like Kluber and you let him get kind of in a groove, um, there's not much more you can do than just kind of swing the bat and hopefully you make some kind of contact. Yeah, the Angels' offense in this game, no runs on three hits. So, yeah, that's not know, that's, that's not good. That's not going to get it done. But like you said, it's a guy like Kluber who, you know, just you expect that from a guy like Kluber. So. Series tied at one going into the third game. Uh, the Angels lost this game four to three. It was a close game. It was a game where Sosha didn't mess around this time. Uh, Dick McGuire only went one and one third of an inning, giving one up three third, hits, yep. three earned runs, one walk, one strikeout. But to me, even though the Angels fell behind, they fell behind early and they couldn't rally late to win this game. Again, broken record here, but the bullpen, one run through eight and two thirds of an inning. Like, how impressive is that? Considering how much the people have complained. On social media about the bullpen. No, you're absolutely right about that because um, there was times where everyone feels felt like the bullpen needed a whole um, reconstruction and, and just needed new guys in and get the old guys out kind of deal. But it shows that the bullpen is um, very capable at times to carry a workload like that. Like you said, seven and two-thirds inning, giving up one run um, for some of that struggle as, as, as much as uh, Deck McGuire did. Again, a guy that you don't expect a whole lot but you do expect him to at least get out of the first couple innings when you put him in that situation yeah you would hope at least two three innings man but you know one third of an inning that's you know that's that's harsh and uh the, the bullpen for me uh throughout that even though they lost the series two games to win two one to uh cleveland the bullpen was sort of like a bright spot for me they were they came in the games you know early and allowed maybe one run or less and and and, and you know the two or three games that they the bullpen had a come together and, and do their job so the next day the angels fly home to anaheim they start a, a, a three-game set against the bad news tigers and uh you know i you're supposed to win games against teams like this but the angels have kind of had a hard time beating anybody lately uh, especially winning series so seeing the tigers come in i didn't know how to feel i didn't know if the angels you know should they sweep them or are we at their level almost you know uh just because of you know the angels kind of no trout uh our catching situation, you have Arcia, Briseño, you got a guy like Cowart playing every day. Uh, so going into the series against the Tigers, you know, if we were looking at this series in April, we say, oh, yeah, Angels are sweeping that series. But coming into it now in August, coming into the series, I said, well, if we can win two out of three, then, you know, we did our job, right? So Yeah, I mean, kind of like what we were talking about last week when they had the series up against uh, the White Sox, you were hoping to – um, sweep, or if not, at least win the, the least win the series, and I think they end up losing two out of three on that. So kind of the same uh, mindset coming into this one with Detroit. You hope to um, you hope to sweep, but you settle for two out of three. But I mean, we'll get to it. But luckily, yeah. the Angels did sweep. Yeah, so they won this game six to two behind Nick Tropiano's five innings, one hit, one run, one walk. Uh, the thing with Tropiano, he left after five innings with shoulder tightness, and we'll get to that shortly here. In this game, Anderson Simmons and, and uh, EYJ both had home runs and both had dazzling defensive plays. Uh, it's always good to see a guy like Eric Young step up and fill in the fill in for a guy like Mike Trout like he did last year. Yeah, it was, it was good to see him step up right away. Um, offensively, he's not going to give you a whole lot. Defensively, he'll give you just as much as Trout does, so that's definitely a plus. Um, we've always talked about the Angels' offense, and if you're going to get production, if you're going to have good offense, it's going to come from your bottom of the lineup. So if you look at the – for this game, the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth guys in the lineup, they went combined 7 for 12 with a 5. Well, that makes it a 583 uh, batting average for the game. So whenever those bottom guys are contributing and, you know, even, like you said, Eway with a home run, you, you'll take that. And a lot of times if you get that, uh, you're going to win a lot of ball games, regardless of who, 
who they play, whether it's Detroit or, or a big team like a Houston or New York. Yeah, pro- production from the bottom of the lineup is always something that every team hopes to get at least a little bit. But when a, when a team can you know get production like the Angels did in this game, that's you're going to win games. Uh, the next day, uh, the Angels showed up again. The offense showed up against the Tigers. Heaney only threw five innings. He had a rough outing. He gave up eight hits, five runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Uh, but the Angels' offense, they came out strong and early. Right off the bat, you know, Tani three-run home run to put us ahead three to two. And they kind of just never looked back from there. The Tigers made a little run there, but the Angels, they did what they had to do. The offense scored 11 runs in this game. Yeah, offensively, it helped out getting those seven runs in the first because Haney was struggling. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to get so many runs up, I think, allowed Haney to go the five. If it was a closer game, I think he's probably done after four. But kind of like we were saying with the Cleveland series, the bullpen gains so much usage that it afforded the Angels to let him go maybe another inning longer just to um, save an inning out of the bullpen and not really threatening that lead. Um, where if it was, you know, a four to five game or, you know, six to seven game, it could be a whole different story. He might have been out a lot earlier. But, yeah, um, Upton and Otani both uh, homer that game. Um, you know, all the starters have had hits in that game except for EY but I mean you'll get production anywhere you can get it and 11 runs is, is a real good uh, wake up call I guess for the Angels for sure so then you know after that Angels up on the series 2-0 going for the series sweep they played an early game in Anaheim yesterday off day to day obviously the Angels blanked the Tigers 6 nothing. Berea goes 5 and 2 thirds 5 hits no runs 1 walk 5 strikeouts uh, Cole Calhoun just continues to stay hot he had his 15th home run of the season Think about this, guys. He had one home run up until he came off the DL. He now has 15. That's pretty damn impressive. I mean, that's that's numbers that you mentioned it in the last podcast. His numbers in July were better than Mike Trout's. Right. And, I, and, I, and as soon as I saw that he hit the home run, I got the update on my phone. I think I text you guys. I'm like, would it be crazy if he hits 30 home runs this year? with the As, as bad as a start he has, for him to, like you said, hit – well, he has 15 now, so 14 in the last couple weeks. What if yeah. he goes on another tear and, and hits another? You know, you have pretty much a month and a half of the season left. Uh, you know, 30 might be kind of like 20 to 25. Would yeah, be I, th- I think, I think 20 to 25. Impressive. I mean, if he gets 30, I think that'd be unbelievable. I heard on a, um, I forget where I was, where I was listening to it, but um, Cole Calhoun, if they were able to give a comeback player of the year award for inside a single year. Uh, he would probably have to be the runaway candidate for it because if you look at his numbers pre even pre All Star break and then after his injury, I mean, it seems like he went from a negative, like one point something WAR to now he's an above average player. He's like at a point seven WAR. It's a uh, it's pretty crazy that turnaround. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what they needed from a Cole Calhoun to kind of keep them afloat here uh, in the second half. We had a home runs by Upton and Bujols. They went back to back. Angels got the sweep of the Tigers. Something they kind of needed. Got them back up to 500 now. Ten and a half games behind a wild card spot, that second wild card spot. We have Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Oakland ahead of us. Also, I mean, the Yankees as well. But three teams to jump ahead of. It's It can be done, but it's it's going to take a lot. We've mentioned that before. But the Angels, you know, they, they with the series sweep against the Tigers, they were able to kind of you know, make this week's record a little more or better, you know. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it would have been a losing it's, week. And then you look at the schedule coming up. Obviously, we're recording this on Thursday night. So going into the weekend, they are playing three against the hot Oakland A's. So, um, again, if you can win that series, you're going to get at least one game caught up behind them. Um, they have nine games total on this, the rest of the season playing Oakland. So, again, if you can win six of those games, you go six and three, that would be a great opportunity for them to make some ground. And you also have four against one more four-game series against Seattle that you can use to make up some ground. But um, they're going to have to also play some of the lower-level teams. and Not lower-level, but you know, not as competitive teams like San Diego coming up uh, during the week. Texas after Texas. Um, you're going to have to at least sweep a handful of those, those series just because of the situation they, pulled, they put themselves in. Um, but, yeah, so you have, you know, Seattle or Oakland coming up this weekend and then uh, San Diego Monday through Wednesday. And then, again, we'll be here on Thursday talking about it. But if you can get, again, this week they went 4-2, and two, I mean, counting from Friday. Um, if you can do the same thing like that, counting, you know, next Friday, obviously, or tomorrow to next week, if you can get some kind of 4-2 and two record with that, 
Um, at least you're going in the right direction. You got to remember that the games they play against Oakland, you're picking up two games. You're picking up a game, a game in the win column and a game in the loss column. So those games are important. You know, if you're able to take two out of three, that's crucial. Uh, it, it just it only helps the situation. Obviously, if you can get a sweep, that means you picked up three games in the win column and picked up three games in the loss column. That's that's huge, and and that's the big thing is the fact that we're able to play these teams that are ahead of us, like or, uh, Oakland and. Seattle and and win series, we're able to make up some ground, at least keep ourselves competitive. Um, That's what you do. If if you're not out there trying to at least win games, then I don't know what the guys are out there doing. I don't think they're out there trying to tank. Um, But at the same time, you know, they're Major League Baseball players, man. They're out there competing. And if you're not not a professional athlete, if you don't compete. Uh, Some news that came out of this week, we touched on it. The other day, Nick Tropiano only went five innings. He experienced some shoulder tightness, which landed him on the 10-day DL for the second time. You know, he, he just got off the DL. He's back on it. Uh, he hopes it, He hopes for it not to be that bad. If, like again, they put him on the 10-day DL. And with that happening, they uh, went ahead and called up the guy that they picked up for Ian Kinsler, at least one of the guys. The lefty, Williams Jerez, made his Major League debut. He looked pretty good. I mean, what'd you think about him, Dan? Yeah, he had one inning, but again, another one of these guys, left-hander, that comes out of the bullpen and just, you know, throws heat. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. You think about it, maybe a handful of years ago, um, you get maybe one or two guys coming out of the bullpen that can throw 95-plus, and now it seems like you can't be in a major league bullpen if you don't throw 95-plus. So um, he looked good his first outing, his major league debut, so I'm sure there's some kind of butterflies going there. Absolutely. So hopefully – um, you see him more regularly. I'm um, not saying they would want to get rid of Alvarez, but if they do, he's a guy that can slide right in there and be kind of like a lefty specialist. But he looked like he was able to get both lefties and righties out in his uh, debut. So, again, if he continues to grow, young dude, uh, the guy that they picked up in the Kinsler trade. So, again, something that we got, they got for someone that wasn't going to come back next year. So Who's on the DL, by the way. Yeah, the so it was kind of weird how he was there for, I think, two or three games and then lands himself on a DL. And then uh, the guy we pick up has already made an impact because he's already playing in games for us. So that's pretty awesome. That's that's what you want to do at the end of the day. Like you said, this guy's going to walk in two months. You're able to pick up a guy who's under team control for at least five more years. Uh, so, you know, and, and also the Angels bolstering their farm system in the process. And speaking, good segue, that's talking about farm system. Uh, we had an interview yesterday over the phone with Taylor Ward, or – Taylor Blake Ward. Yeah, don't right? we talk about it on the, on the interview? It's not Taylor Ward, the third baseman from the Salt Lake Bees, no. former catcher of the Angels or uh, a prospect, the, third base prospect. Yeah, no. so no Taylor Ward, Blake Ward, uh, Taylor Blake Ward. Yeah, former writer for Scout.com. He he knows his Angel stuff, but when you, when we start talking to him about prospects, and I'm not talking about the Joe Adels, Brandon Marsh, Jemiah Jones, Griffin Cannings. I'm talking about prospects that are outside the top thirty. He really knows what he's talking about. He really has an eye for these guys coming up that will be angels or, you know, trade chips in potential big deals that the angels have coming up. But he definitely knows what he's talking about. For sure. So this is our interview that we had yesterday over the phone with Taylor Blake Ward. Uh, here you go. So we are here with Taylor Ward from Who's On First. Taylor, thanks for joining us on the All Angels podcast. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. You know, we see what you do, and the first question I wanted to ask you, and it's kind of obvious, Taylor Ward, you even put your Twitter as Taylor Blake Ward. When the Angels drafted Taylor Ward, the catcher, now third baseman, how did your uh, mentions blow up? Uh, <laughs> I got about uh, 200 texts that night telling me congratulations. It was uh, – <laughs> um, I, I mean, I knew who Taylor Ward was um, well before uh, he was drafted. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely a, a very different scenario. Usually, um, it's something you're definitely not going to see very often. And, uh, it, it was exciting. It was really exciting. <laughs> so now we got that. So it is Taylor Ward, the rider, not Taylor Ward, the Salt Lake B's third baseman. But, um, coming into this season with a lot of the expectation with the angels, you know, getting Otani, re-signing Upton, um, Kinsler, what was your expectations coming into the year? Um, I, I was pretty vocal about it. Uh, I thought that they were a team that 
pending if they won a couple games that they should have or lost a couple games that they shouldn't have, uh, they would be right around 500 and be a team that could sneak their way past that 500 mark, maybe an 85 to 90 win team. Um, and I think that a lot of us expected that to be in the wild card range. Now, the season's obviously not over, but 500 isn't really cutting it uh, with what Oakland and Seattle are doing, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, why did you think going in? I mean, we, we had our reasons. We were kind of with you uh, when we did our re- our preview show for the, the season. Daniel and I were almost on the same page, kind of saying the same thing you were, where this team might just be a 500 team. Why, in your mind, were they just a 500 team? Was it the fact that they didn't go out and pick up, you know, a quality veteran starter, or, or was it because they didn't go out and get a bullpen guy, or was it something different? I wasn't. I was a little uncertain of the depth in the lineup. Um, obviously, when you're looking to add defensive uh, attributes like Ian Kinsler, Martin Maldonado, who are no longer with the team, uh, I thought Kinsler would definitely be better than he was. Um, not to say he was awful, but definitely better than he was. Uh, Martin Maldonado is a fantastic baseball player, one of my personal favorites to watch. Uh, but we all knew the bat wasn't there. Albert Pujols, uh, despite being a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest hitters we've ever seen, still on the decline. I didn't think they'd get on base enough. And as for the pitching, I thought their bullpen was a little iffy going in. Uh, obviously, we're seeing how that's equated uh, without Keenan Middleton. Uh, obviously, Justin Anderson has stepped up. The rotation still had some questions. Um, I think, like I said, it was a team that all it would take is a hot streak at the right time, and they could have been a playoff team. Uh, and I thought that that was what this team was capable of. Maybe, obviously, not competing with the Astros, uh, but that hasn't happened, and injuries have been a huge part of that. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people, I guess your regular. Um fan would had really high expectations as far as going after Houston for uh the division all stuff but realistically we like Johnny said we were very kind of maybe sneak into that second wild card spot uh now kind of moving forward to now where they are now after the deadline when you saw the moves the Kinsler trade and Maldonado trade um seeing the prospects they got back and you saw one last night uh Tuesday night um in Anaheim do you feel they won that? Did you feel they lost the trade? Or, or was there anything different you might have hoped to see at the trade deadline? Oh, I, I never pick winners and losers. Every team has the right uh, mindset when they go for a trade. I mean, if uh, if Houston wins a World Series because of Martin Maldonado and he's on the roster, then obviously Houston won this uh, years before Ty Buttry or Williams Jerez has had any chance to even make an impact with the Angels. Um, as for the product that came back, uh, yeah, uh, for two rentals, um, Brand, or, uh, Patrick Sandoval, obviously really exciting um, to have a back-end arm that you can project. The Angels are still lacking a little bit in the system when it comes to pitching outside of the top of the system with Canning, Suarez, Rodriguez, Soriano. Uh, so it's great to have a guy like Sandoval in the organization. And as for Buttry and Jerez, uh, two quality arms that can help within the next year or two, and if you get a, you know, if you get a full year or two years of quality from those two guys, uh, then yeah, you obviously made the right decision trading Ian Kinsler, um, and you have control of those guys for five years, I believe, uh, for both of them. Uh, so, you know, you can see your excitement there, and having two young relievers who are just about to jump into their prime. Uh, so. If you're looking at it from that standpoint, the Angels standpoint, then yes, you've got two arms, two major league arms, and one potential third major league arm in the future, and you can never have enough arms. Absolutely. Like we had mentioned on our show earlier, we said, you know, you're, you you pretty much got two guys under control for a guy who's going to walk away in about two months, you know, uh, in, in Kinsler and Maldonado. I don't think the Angels really had expectations of really re-signing either of those guys, but Moving on to other news uh, around Angelland is the whole Mike Sosha news, the whole stepping down at the end of the season. Um, I don't look at it as much of a surprise. I mean, you know, the end of his contract is at the end of this year. I don't personally, I didn't see the Angels really going out and, and, and signing him to an extension of any sort. Um, what are your feelings about the whole Mike Sosha situation? Um, I think that it got exposed at the wrong time. I, I don't think Mike is ready to to quit baseball i don't think he's ready to be done uh obviously this has been asked since the start of the season and even last year 
when this contract was coming to the end of it, is is Mike Sosha going to come back? Things like that. Uh, when it comes to Mike, I think he's going to be the one that has the ultimate decision on when he is done managing in baseball, because even if it's not with the Angels, he's still going to be one of the hottest commodities on the market as a manager with that experience and that resume. Uh, so if he's not with the Angels, I think he's going to get a job elsewhere. Um, if it is with the Angels, I don't think it's going to be a long-term deal, uh, maybe a three-, four-year deal for the manager, maybe five years. But that's a big if, especially when you guys have – or when you have guys that are – kind of ready to take that spot you know josh paul brad osmus keith hernandez or uh, keith johnson um eric chavez so you know the opportunity is there for social to leave and have someone that you're prepped and ready uh that understands the organization philosophy and can use that um but i also wouldn't be stunned if mike Sosha came back next year with the angels i i still uh from what i know mike Sosha is a manager until the end of this year and until there is a new manager, um, we just don't know. Yeah, that's interesting because I haven't heard anyone say about Socha coming back. But if they do move on from from Socha, what kind of uh, manager do you think the Angels need moving forward? Do you think they need a you know rookie kind of in that um, Aaron Boone uh, mold, maybe a young uh, type of manager, or should like you said go after a, a vet like a Osmus or even a Matheny that's out there? Um, I think that you're going to have a guy that understands the analytics really well. Uh, not to discredit Mike Matheny, but I do not think he is that kind of guy. Brad Osmus obviously would be. Joe Girardi would be if you're going for veteran guys. Um, but there's a few guys that are within the organization already that have a very strong understanding of what the philosophy is. Uh, whether that's a young guy like Keith Johnson or Eric Chavez or if it's a, a little bit older of a guy, a guy that's had managerial experience with the Angels, and that's Dino Ebel, uh, the bench coach. But I think it's going to be a bit of a surprise. I think, um, you know, Billy's connection to the New York uh, front office and New York organization may bring a, a guy from that uh, organization over to be a manager. Um, I don't think it's going to be a guy that's coming off the free agent market, a guy that was a manager for quite a while. I think it's going to be a new face. Um, someone that's a little more adaptive to this new game. And, and that's not taken away from Mike Sosha, who, you know, in 2002, he used his best reliever uh, in the sixth, seventh inning, the high leverage deal. He's He's been ahead of the game. It's just he's not as vocal about the analytics of the game. Um, but I think that it's going to be a guy that has a full understanding, is a little bit of a more of a baseball guy than an analytics guy, but has a strong concept of what's going on and how to structure a lineup and revolve around that. Awesome. Um, that's that's good insight there. We we you know we kind of just go off what we hear and 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 that's how we we kind of go off of. So um, moving ahead to you know towards the end of this season, you know the September call ups coming around the corner. Uh, who do you see in the Angels organization as far as being like locks to be called up in September? Or maybe a guy like Taylor Ward or, or Matt Thice? Uh I wouldn't say Thice, not yet. Um, he's it's not necessary to put him on the forty man uh, this winter. He still has a year before he has to be protected. I think he will come into spring fighting for a spot on the roster. But I also don't think he's ready. You look at his splits between lefties and righties, and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, he cooled off a little bit. Still a great hitter, but he's young. There's another year before it's mandatory to put him on the 40-man. I think you continue to let him develop. Uh, Taylor Ward obviously has hit enough to show that he probably belongs up. He has to be added to the 40-man this winter. So why not just get him up in September? Don't worry about um service time because he's not a prospect like Joe Adele. He's not a prospect like Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, he's a good prospect, but service time really isn't going to matter with a guy like him. Um, I think one guy that hasn't been brought up as regularly with the crowd uh, is Jeremy Rhodes. He was a former top pitching prospect, probably top 15 in the organization at a time. Um, had a little bit of a downfall in his career. He's lost some velocity. They moved into the bullpen. He's back into the mid-90s. Uh, wipeout slider hasn't allowed a run in Salt Lake in a month and a half, two months. Um, I think he's a guy that might be up even before September. And, you know, we'll see how the roster expands. Maybe a guy like Luis Pena. Um, but I don't think there's going to be any real surprises that come up. Yeah, kind of going, everyone knows the names, like you said, uh, Ward, 
Sice, um, Joe, Jemai, like people know those names, Brandon Marsh. Um, do you, is there a prospect that maybe not, you know, obviously not this year, but going into spring training, maybe getting some time that will surprise Angel fans and, and kind of make a name for himself, whether he gets brought up with the team or not, but just kind of performs well and everyone kind of starts paying attention to him? So you're saying a major league ready or guy that's close to the major yeah, leagues? Kind of close to the major league ready that no one's really talking about that can either perform well in spring training and just catch someone's eye, not necessarily break camp with them, but just be like, oh, I want to see when this guy gets brought up. Kind of almost like a Fletcher was at the beginning of this year. Um, maybe a guy like Jose Rojas, uh, someone you guys are pretty familiar with. Um, was a Cal League All Star this year, last year, Southern League All Star this year. Has been hitting everywhere he's gone um he was just a late round pick so a lot of people don't pay attention to the late round picks but uh local guy from anaheim area i would say maybe him he's in double a um there's not a lot invested in him money wise so he may be a surprise maybe a guy like jared walsh another late guy but he's a first base only kind of guy um if we're really digging deep into guys that might uh might be surprising i'm trying to think here most of the Angels' talent, like under-the-radar talent, is obviously from the low minors yeah, because right. they've they passed through them? San Bernardino. They've yeah. passed through Mo- – or they're in Mobile. I think once you pass through San Bernardino, your name is on the map just because you're a local talent. People are going to hear about you. Um, but, yeah, maybe Jose Rojas um, or one of the relievers, uh, Tyler Stevens, um, Daniel Procopio, guys like that possibly. Awesome. So, uh, you know, just to backtrack just a little bit on the minor leagues, uh, we briefly just kind of talked about Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh. Excuse me. How, I mean, not surprised, but I mean, how, how awesome has Joe Adele been on the, in the minor league system? And when can we, what's, what's, when can we possibly start hearing the rumors of maybe a Joe Adele coming up to the big league roster? Oh, I think summer next year you're going to hear people talking about it. Um, <laughs> he, he is a special talent. Um, I mean, to be one of the top uh, 15 prospects in baseball, uh, you obviously have to be a very special talent. We all knew when he was drafted that he was going to be a, a very athletic player, guy that profiles in a center field, outfield, uh, has elite speed. When the power is there, it's elite power. Um, it was all about if he's going to hit, and he's definitely answered those questions this year. Um, yeah, I think midsummer next year we're going to start hearing people talk about it. That's not to say that um, he's going to come up. It's a pretty crowded outfield. There's not a lot of space for him. Um, so I think that 2020, when a few contracts are up, when Cole Calhoun is done, unless you want to move him to first, but you have another log jam there, um, I think those are your situations. Um, where Joe Adele just doesn't have space, so you, but you have time to develop him. He's only 19 years old. He's going to be 20 going into next year. So you have a guy that's 21 years old going into the majors in two years. Uh, he, he's still the same age as guys that are in low A. Uh, Brandon Marsh, another guy, very same factor. Um, I think he's actually a better hitter than Joe Adele, overall hitter. Um, doesn't have the upside, obviously. Um but another guy, you, you have to find room for him. And with what's going on with Justin Upton, who is a fantastic baseball player, having a down year, I think. Uh, and you have to wait out until and see what you're going to do with Cole Calhoun. Because, uh, what, yeah, is it one more year with the contract with Cole, I believe, yeah. uh, following this one? Um, so you're going to have to find space or move these guys around. And it wouldn't make a lot of sense to move Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele around the out, or anywhere other than the outfield because that's where their talent is. Um, maybe you use one of those guys as a trade chip. I doubt they part with Adele, a talent that special. And not to say that Brandon Marsh isn't a special talent. He's obviously a top 100 prospect in baseball. But maybe you use him as a trade chip, um, possibly. So just kind of going like what you're saying with Joe Adele, but I wanted to give you some other other names, and you just give me, you know, an ETA, you know, early 2020 or early 2019 or late 2019 or anything like that. Um, first one is uh, Jemai Jones. Uh, mid 2019, possibly fighting for a spot next year. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, I am also looking at Griffin Canning. Uh, fighting for a spot in spring training uh, very well could be 
one of those service time guys where they wait a, two weeks and then call him up for a start, similar to what they did with Jaime Berea. Okay. Uh, who is it? Jose Suarez? Suarez, same thing. Uh, same thing. Actually, Jose Suarez has to be added to the 40-man this year, so uh, don't be stunned if he's up in September. Uh, well, the other guy that, that kind of, I don't want to say surprised people, surprised me a little bit, I guess, uh, was a guy that we traded for CJ Crone was uh, Luis Renfigo. Uh, what what do you know about this kid and, and uh, uh, his progression through the system so quickly? Uh, high energy infielder Luis Rangifo is, is one of my favorite guys in the system. Um, he's, <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to put it. Uh, it's like his hair is on fire when he's playing baseball. Uh, really exciting, high energy, um, high level competition of at bats is not going to throw away any at bats, high contact. A little bit of sneaky power, and then when he gets on the base pass, he is not afraid to go, and he has the speed to use it. Um, there's some question about if he has the long-term stuff to stay as a shortstop, but there's not a lot of concern there because of Andrelton Simmons. Um, Luis Rangifo has an opportunity to fight for a spot in spring training next year at second base. Uh, that's not to say that he will get it. That's not to say that uh, um, he's a lock to be a, few, a future starter. He still has a little bit of a utility role to him, but the performance has shown that he can hit the ball regularly, he can play defense regularly, and that speed is going to carry him. Would that be another possible, like you kind of said with Brandon Marshall, the trade tip maybe that the Angels use in the offseason to maybe find a, another arm or, or some, some, some depth somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, uh, you that's what prospects are, are used for often, and now the Angels have a bit of a surplus. Um, Which is weird considering the last, you know, handful of years. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, it, he could be used as a trade ship. Um, it really depends on how you view David Fletcher. Uh, is he going to be a starter long term? It's based on where is Jemai Jones and, and where is his defense at? Is he going to need another year in the minors? to uh, develop his defense. Um, so, And then you look at the free agent market, and is there a guy out there that's going to improve your team for a few years or one year? Uh, and is that going to put a blockade for Rangifo or Jones or even move Fletcher? So you have a lot of questions that won't be answered until the winter. And when that happens, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you sell high on a guy like Taylor Ward um, because he – you know, there's still question marks on if he is going to be an everyday player. Um, so maybe you sell high on him, the fact that he hit 350 this whole year. Maybe you sell high on Luis Rangifo, who might be a utility man, and try and sell him as a future starter. That's Those are the kind of questions we won't know the answers to until they play in the majors or they're you know we get through this winter. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, too. I didn't even think about it. They could sell high on a Taylor Ward type and try to get a, a bigger return than maybe they would have if they did it last year or maybe if they wait one more year. Um, we want to thank you for your time. We're not going to take any more of your time because you've been plenty generous with it. Um, again, do you want to, you know, your Twitter handle, tell people where they, uh, they can get a hold of you, and, and uh, if you have anything out there you want to promote, go ahead. Uh, yeah, my social security number. No, <laughs> no. Um, Let me get uh, paper. Hold on real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward, um, and uh, you know, just hit the uh, free agent market myself. So check it out on the uh, Who's On First dot WordPress dot com. Uh, excited to get that going. Starting a top twenty midseason prospect report. And uh, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Hey, hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. 
Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. This is Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. What is up? We are back at the All Angels Podcast. I want to thank our sponsors, Groom Goon and www.epicradiotv.com. I also recommend that you check out The Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram. It's The Alley Cat SoCal. Check them out. They have a, a line of clothing. And you got a lot of hair on your head and you need to slick it back. Use their pomade that you can only pick up at the Alley Cat. Slick Cat Pomade. Again, it's the Alley Cat SoCal uh, on Instagram. All right, so with that being done, a great interview by Taylor Blake Ward. We want to thank him for taking the time to sit with or actually talk with us. And uh, like like you know, we have mentioned before, we, we only expected 10, 15 minutes. And these guys, all the guys we've had have given us more than more than enough time. So we really appreciate them. So we're going to jump into our poll questions for the week. Dan, you want to take over there? Yeah. So unless you guys have been living under a rock recently, you um, didn't know about the announcement. Or not, not even so much the announcement, but the leaked news saying that Sosha ha- will be stepping away from the Angels, whether it's retirement or whether it's because of lack of um, contract extension at the end of the year. But, yeah, so this – Poll question this week on our Twitter at Halo underscore Haven. Make sure you give us a follow. Um, was what kind of replacement would you want Sosha to replace Sosha if he does step away and is not brought back next year? Uh, it was very easy. The, your three options was like a rookie manager, which I qualify as like a, a guy literally fresh out, no years experience to one year experience, a young manager that has two to five years experience, or a vet, a six plus year vet. Uh, it was 51%. They wanted a young manager. Again, a guy that was um, has probably between two and five years experience, maybe on his second, maybe, you know, a guy that had an opportunity uh, for three years, didn't go so well, learned some stuff from it, and is now bouncing back. I mean, you see a lot of managers doing that now with um, maybe their first handful of seasons aren't the best, but they come back with a different situation, uh, different li- different roster, and learning from the first go around that they can grow from so again uh young manager two to five years with 51 percent rookie manager no year so one year 33 percent and then the vet six plus years uh 16 percent so i ask you johnny where did you go with this poll this is a tough one I, i i like to see them go for a guy two to five uh six plus would be good too i i don't want to see a rookie manager because we've already talked about or not talked about but you know, us being a part of Halo Haven, we see on the fan site all the time people kind of complain about, you know, the manager and this and that. And, you know, there are a lot of complaining about Mike Sosha, and I get it. Uh, but if you get a rookie manager, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. And I don't want to see it on, on the social media sites. I, I don't want to deal with all that drama. You're going to have growing pains. You're going to have to expect a guy, if they go for a guy like Darren Erstad or a guy like Eric Chavez or, or a rookie manager, you're going to go through your growing pains. And you're going to have to expect that. So for me, a guy like two to five who has some experience um, would be ideal. Or anyone who has more experience uh, would be great. Uh, I wouldn't mind a guy like Osmus or a guy like Matheny or even a guy like Girardi. But again, I think like Taylor had mentioned in the interview, they're going to go for lean towards the younger end like a Chavez. Or they're going to they're going to explore their options if Sosha does not come back. And it's going to be an interesting offseason for sure. Uh, I I can't narrow it or pinpoint it down what they feel they need to do on the managerial side. Obviously, the Angels have their, you know, Epler has Epler and Moreno have an idea of what they want in a manager. We're not sure if they're going to go for a, a they're going to go for a social type. Then Matheny's probably the guy they're going to go for. But you know, they, I could see them going for an Eric Chavez, somebody like that. I don't know. It's it's hard, but I, I would ideally like someone who's not a rookie. Yeah, I I picked the same as you, a young guy from like two to five years. But um, I think a lot of people see the the success of a Aaron Boone type and a Alex Cora type in Boston and New York, and think, oh, that's all we need. We need the the new young um, guy that's just done playing, and and he'll turn everything around. And it's not that simple. I mean, no. I don't know if people forget, but Boston and New York were both in the playoffs last year with. 
you know, with different managers. So right. they already had kind of a talent base already there. And then the new guys, yeah, probably sparked, you know, got them going a little bit. But you even hear little things uh, managerial-wise from Aaron Boone, how he manages his bullpen and how he puts guys in different situations. That, again, are just growing pains. But the team is so good. The talent around him is so good that, you know, you don't hear a whole lot of uh, – a lot of uh, – feedback from it because when you win that's the best deodorant it, it, it covers everything up um angels that do think need to go fairly young i don't necessarily want to seek any kind of uh you know osmus maybe because he is on the younger type but Matheny, i don't want to see Girardi, i don't want to see those guys have a reputation of not being good managers and putting people in situation but when it comes to relating to players in their clubhouse, they both have a reputation of not doing it very well. And I think in today's day and age, it's not so much uh, players being like, hey, where do you want me, coach? And I'll do it. It's You have to relate to the players. They're younger now. They're not coming up when they're 20, 21 years old, or uh, you know, 22, 23. Now these guys are coming up when they're 19, 20. Um, they're kids still coming up in the major leagues. You need guys that are going to be able to relate to them and be able to have some kind of relationship outside of just the go play left field. Go play second base, and when I say bunt, this is why this is what you do, you know. So I think those guys are kind of out of the question, or should be out of the question. But where they go is a whole different uh, situation. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see what happens at the end of the year if the Angels do decide to go away from Mike Sosha, final year of his contract. Uh, according to Taylor Ward, he sees that it's a possibility that Sosha could probably come back. I think it's time for a philosophy change in the system. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, so that brings us to everyone's favorite segment of the sh- of the show. It is none other than the Curator's Chronicle. Good evening to all those listening across the world. This is another edition of the Curator's Chronicles featuring me, Chris Johnson, the Curator. Uh, The following comes out from a book called The Angel's Journal, written by John Snyder. Um, Before we get started, I just want to say all the stuff you're saying about Socia is a bunch of poppycock. Uh, If you guys didn't catch a soundbite, he dismissed uh, allegations. I don't know if they're allegations, but rumors that he is going to step down with the season using that dated vocabulary, which shows how old he is. It set the internet a storm. The interwebs were ablazing, and we have some synonyms. I actually heard this on a radio uh, talk show. They talked about the synonyms of poppycock, guys. Um, these are all formal synonyms. So nonsense, rubbish, claptrap, balderdash, blather, moonshine, garbage. In the informal, we have rot, tripe. Jive, hogwash, baloney, drivel, bilge, bunk, eyewash, piffle, fooey, twaddle, and if we want to get really informal, bourgeois, malarkey, gobbledygook, mumbo jumbo, bumpkin, tommy rot, crapola, verbal diarrhea. So that's Sosha poppycock? really <laughs> told him that's poppycock, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, so uh, I'll give it to Sosha. I appreciate that old was, vernacular. Is, are any of those words from? This century? Or? No, they're from the 1890s, I think. Yeah. That's what when I baseball heard. first started. Yeah. But going back to this day in 2004, which isn't too long ago, poppycock wasn't used too much back then. Uh, earlier in Sosha's tenure, um, this kind of alludes to what John was saying earlier. We have a special guest interview, hopefully tomorrow, and we will have it on next week's All Angels podcast, but hint, hint, it has to do with today's, uh, this date in history. Uh, This is coming from August 10th, 2004. Rob Quinlan runs his hitting streak to 21 games during an 11-3 loss to the Orioles at Angel Stadium. Quinlan, uh, this is when he was first called up his rookie year, batted 442 with 34 hits during the 21-game hit streak seven days later his season ended when he tore an oblique muscle while taking batting practice and that 21 game hit streak was the longest hit streak by a rookie since Ichiro so um that was something to be said he kind of came up and um uh, really filled in for the Angels. Uh, he was PCL Player of the Year uh, in 2002, Angels Minor League Player of the two, Player of the Year in 2002, and as we kind of talked during the break, 
Uh, Quinlan was one of those guys you kind of rooted for. He was a utility player, played third base. And, John, if you want to talk a little bit about his his swing. It was a little unorthodox. Yeah, his swing was uh, one of those swings where uh, it almost looked like he – I don't know if he got – he. He didn't extend his arms very much, so he kind of finished like a little short arm kind of, like you know, like a pitcher with a short arm his his uh, throw. Uh, try to imagine that as a hitter. He would finish with his uh, with his bat right above his shoulders, kind of not extended at all. But the guy had power, and you mentioned it. He was kind of like a Fletcher X sign with a little more power behind him. So a good a good guy, and uh, hopefully we get him on the show. And uh, we're scheduled. Uh, we just don't know exactly, you know. We're hoping that we will have the interview ready for Thursday's show. All right. That wraps up another edition of the Curator's Chronicles. Again, everyone's favorite segment of the show is the Curator's Chronicles. Tidbits of information like that are... are, (laughs) Tidbits of information (laughs) like that just don't come out of anywhere. Only the Curator can uh, bring you all that information. Perfect guy for the uh, for the segment. All right, so we're going to move on from uh, Curator's Chronicles to uh, our listener email questions. Uh, you guys can always email your questions to us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. That's allangelspodcast at gmail.com, or you can you know uh, send in any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have um, to the show, and we'll, we'll answer them. All right, our first email comes from... Uh, uh, very loyal listener in Duncan Healy. He says, hey there, guys. Awesome interview with Jose Moda. You guys are doing awesome. So with all this social leaving talk, I mean, is it really any surprise that the Angels are more than likely not bringing him back? Why is this all of a sudden a new... Why is this all of a sudden news to people? Wish I lived close. I would have loved to meet you guys and tour the bus. Best of luck. Do you want to touch on that a little bit, Daniel? Yeah, I think the reason why it's such a big deal now is the fact that um, it's it's out now. Before it was kind of everyone was talking about it like it was going to happen, but no one never never knew for sure it was going to happen. But then when these reports came out saying that he expects you know himself to to step away, um, it kind of put more of a sure thing behind it. It definitely put um, the truth like oh this is actually going to happen behind it. So um, you know I think that's why it, it kind of blew up the way it did. Um, it's not. I mean, it's still kind of speculative, but at least now you can kind of say, well, there's a leak out there, and now that's probably why it's, it's a big deal now compared to maybe like two weeks ago. Yeah, I, you're right. It coming out is what kind of caused the outbursts by people, the thank God or the oh no's. So uh, that's probably why it seems like people are surprised. I agree with you 100% on that. And Duncan, we wish you were closer than to us you know, than you are you know, in, Dun- in uh, Dead Horse, Alaska. Uh, so, um, thank you for listening to the show. I uh, want to say, let's see, who do we got next? Derek Trainer. Uh, I think he's emailed us a few times now. He said, hey there, guys, listen to, la- to last week's show. Awesome to hear that you guys, hear that guys like Moda and Gubazal take the time to do an interview with you guys. You guys have, uh, you guys will always have a listener in me. Appreciate the work you guys put in to make the show every week. I'm sure you guys will have a lot of talk about... <laughs> this topic but if social leaves at the end of the season who is a legitimate candidate for the managerial job we kind of touched on that right now right yeah i mean again you you're gonna hear the same names um that everyone has whether it's like you know an osmus a athene a chavez now some people that don't know chavez actually went down to triple a salt lake to finish out the uh finish out as the manager for the last i think they have like a month maybe a month and a half left in the season um, but yeah, so again, he's getting some kind of um, experience managing. When Alex Cora got hired as Boston's manager, he didn't have any MLB experience, but he did he did manage, um, I believe, a Dominican team in the uh, in the off season down there. So uh, he did have some kind of managerial experience, and I think maybe that's what they're trying to do with Chavez again, a guy younger guy that can relate to these players a lot easier than maybe some of the older guys that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, we touched on it, and I don't want to beat a dead horse. That was for you, Duncan. Uh, so we'll move on. Thank you, thank you. We'll move on to Lamar's question. This is the final one of the night. Hey there, fellas. I've been looking for. I've been looking up the Angels Farm System since I I heard the show 
that we have moved up from 21 to 12. I see a lot of names in the system who are up there in the MLB overall rankings. A lot of people want to talk about how Epler didn't bring in this guy or that guy. But he's doing a damn good job on that farm system. And any really good champion, in capital letters, builds from within. Just wanted to mention that. Dope interview with Moda. You guys are putting in the work. Keep it up. I think he's absolutely right. You look at the champions. You look at the Astros and the guys they brought in that are playing on their team, world champions, who were brought up through their farm system. You look at the Angels from 2002. The core group was nothing but Angels from the farm system. Tim Salmon, Garrett Anderson, Tripercival, Darren Erstad, yada, yada, yada. Yankees. Look at the Yankees now, the guys that they have from their farm system. Didi Gregorius, uh, Aaron Judge, guys like that. Even their core groups, Jeter, Posada, guys like that. Um, At some point, the farm system has to be a priority, something the Angels didn't have when Jerry DePoto was in office. Epler has brought this farm system back from the Literally the grave under from being buried six feet under to top ten now. Are we are we looking at now, Daniel? Yeah, it's about top ten. Again, it depends on, on where you look and what website. I mean, Baseball America has the rankings, MLB.com has rankings, everybody has their own rankings, but if you look, they're definitely somewhere in the ten to fourteen range, just depending. But again, kinda of like we said in the or in the interview is that some of those guys can be trade pieces and can be used to move uh, this winter and maybe pick up that extra arm that the Angels need. And this is a luxury that they definitely didn't have, say, uh, four or five years ago when they were the bottom half, maybe, you know, 28, 29, 30, somewhere around there a handful of years ago. Yeah, man, just the improvement. Guys like Joe Adele, Jemai Jones, Brandon Marsh, Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, the list can go on and on. There's some guys that I'm missing there, but, you know, the farm system now is – you can go to a minor league game and see stars of the future. You know, you, you a couple uh, month ago, you you go to Inland Empire. You had Jemai Jones, Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, all on the same team. It's amazing. So, seeing these guys grow, it's it's, it's awesome. So, speaking of the Sixty Sixers, this Saturday, August eleventh, it will be Halo Haven Night at San Manuel Stadium. This is your chance to see the rally ba- bus in person at San Manuel Stadium. We will be throwing out the ceremonial first pitch. The bus will be there for you guys to take pictures, take a tour of. We have a little, you know, uh, we have some rules for you in order for you to pick up some swag from us. So come check us out August 11th, Saturday at San Manuel Stadium. It is Mike Trout, Wall Catch, Bobblehead Night. Gates open at 6. If you want a bobblehead, you better get there by at least 1 o'clock. Seriously, and wait in line. Because it's limited to the first 1,500 people. And, you know, you, you, you got to wait a line. You're going to have to wait a line for that bobblehead. It's not guaranteed that you'll get one. You just got to show up early and, and cross your fingers. But it's going to be a busy night. going to be a lot of people there. Go watch the Inland Empire 66ers. Go watch Brandon Marsh, uh, you know, one of the top Angels prospects. And then, you know, come check us out. Say hi to us. I mean, we like to meet everybody. We like to say hi to everybody. We like to mingle. We like to give out swag, too. Yeah, so we'll have plenty of stuff to give away. Um, again, like he's, like Johnny said, uh, August 11th, uh, 6 o'clock, gates open at 5. Get there early if you want to try a bobblehead. Come by, say, we'll have the bus and everything. We'll take a tour. Um, man, I, all I can say is get there early. Make sure uh, you pack a chair if you're planning to stay and wait for that uh, Mike Trout bobblehead, which if, they, if, if it comes out as good as the first one did earlier this year, uh, is definitely something to be willing to wait around for. So, Just so you guys know, I will have 8x10 headshots so, oh, I, I have eight by ten headshots. I will be glad to sign. I will be glad to take pictures with you for a f- affordable fee. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. You guys come down, say what's up to us, man. We we like to uh, we like to meet people. Not even even if you don't listen to the show, even if people who don't listen to the show, or you just follow Halo Haven on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. We like to see who we interact with on a daily because we're always on on Facebook, kind of going back and forth on topics and stuff like that. So always kind of see actually meet the person behind the picture you know it's always pretty cool to do and, and not to mention that we are throwing out the first pitch so you want to get there at least early enough to see that and see how either how great that is or how terrible that is i have no idea right I, now. How i need to warm up before the game a yeah little bit. so we're going to be there early setting up and then while yeah, we're, we're, we're going to try to um, as bp's going on find a little corner of the mm-hmm. stadium and try to warm up and uh, throw off the mound a little bit see if i yeah can get see if we can get one of those uh those those L-screens. screens set up so we can throw in the bullpen while everyone's taking BP. Yeah, and see how that goes. 
Chris, uh, Chris is a veteran of the first pitch at Sam Manuel. Yeah, so, so we'll be you know, you know poking his brain, trying to figure yeah. out what to do, um, how to throw it. Don't bounce it. That's the big thing I'm worried about. Don't bounce it. And don't go away. And don't hit a mascot. Hopefully, Bernie's nowhere near uh, where we are. But I just, can't guarantee either. I have a slight tear of my uh, in my rotator cuff, but I can get it there. Yeah, I can hopefully, get it there. Hopefully, don't we'll turn see. the gun on. Don't turn the, gut, the radar gun on because uh, <laughs> that'll be embarrassing. Yeah. But but no, check us out Saturday, uh, August 11th, San Manuel Stadium, home of the Inland Empire 66ers, Class A affiliate of the Angels. They will be taking on the Lake Elsinore Storm. Uh, again, I, something I don't think we forgot to mention is that the bus, is, it's not just going to be there. It's going to be, it's not like it's going to be in the parking lot. We're going to be in the stadium. Yeah, so, it's not going to be in the parking lot at all. No. We're going straight into the stadium once we so, get there. So During the game, you got some downtime. Maybe between innings, you want to come check out the bus, you can do so. We'll be out there. We'll have, we'll have our little setup. You'll see us. Um, I'll have my little booth in the corner with my 8x10s, and, you know, we're good to go. All right? Yeah. So, and then yeah. uh, Curator will personalize his 8x10 with, you know, if you want him to write in the curator, it's an extra fee of $5, but all is good. It all goes towards Halo Haven. No, I'm just messing with you guys. No, check us out. Uh, other than that, man, uh, I don't, I think that's going to wrap up the show unless you got something else, Daniel. No, that's it. I mean, again, uh, check us out. I can't tell you enough. We, we, we like to support. We love seeing you guys uh, tweet at us and, and, and email us. So um, for you guys that are in the Inland Empire area, whether it's Riverside, San Bernardino, um, Moreno Valley, you know, Fontana, Rialto, come out, check it, check us out at 66ers on Saturday, August 11th. And, um, hopefully it's a good time. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the all angels podcast. We'll be back with you guys next week. Same, uh, same place, same everything. All right. Catch you guys next week. some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the centurion lounge resi priority notified and amex card member benefits at select events You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. 
Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Look around! You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.